0: Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello.
1: Thank you for joining us. It is your weekly dose of us reading you
0: articles. We're so thrilled to have you here with us today. Yep. I'm going to jump in and read us a Wikipedia article. Okay. Love it. Uh, back to our roots. Back to our roots. Um, it's called Terradomania. Okay. Pterodomania, or fern fever, was a Victorian craze for ferns. Me. (laughs) Decorative arts of the period presented the fern motif in pottery, glass, metal, textiles, wood, printed paper, and sculpture, with ferns appearing on everything from christening presents to gravestones and memorials. I just feel like ferns belong on everything. Yeah, I'm right there with them. Oh, we love a fern. I love a fern. Pteridomania, meaning fern madness or fern craze, a compound of pteridophytes and mania, was coined in 1855 by Charles Kingsley in his book Glaucus or The Wonders of the Shore. Quote, your daughters, perhaps, have been seized with the prevailing pterodomania and wrangling over unpronounceable names of species, which seem different in each uh, new fern book that they buy. And yet, you cannot deny that they find enjoyment in it and are more active, more cheerful, more self-forgetful over it than they would have been over novels and gossip, crochet, and Berlin wool. I mean... So,
1: ferns are better than gossip that's very
0: true and we're keeping the women busy yes that's what we want we have to the collection of ferns uh drew enthusiasts what (laughs) oh just the the collection of ferns generally i was like are they referring to a specific one because i skipped over a little bit. but here we go The collection of ferns drew enthusiasts from different social classes, and it is said that even the farm laborer or miner could have a collection of British ferns, which he had collected in the wild, and a common interest sometimes brought people of very different social backgrounds together. So it's reaching across class lines. Love that. Love it. Uh, For some, a fashionable hobby, and for others, a more serious scientific pursuit, fern collecting became commercialized, of course, with the sale of merchandise for fern collectors. Equipped with The Ferns of Great Britain and Ireland, a book, or one of many other books sold for fern identification, collectors sought out ferns from dealers and in their native habitats across the British Isles and beyond. Fronds were pressed in albums for display in homes. Live plants were also collected for cultivation in gardens and indoors. Nurseries provided not only native species, but exotic species from the Americas and other parts of the world. I'm going to skip a little bit of this. Uh, The Wardian case, a forerunner of the modern terrarium, was invented about 1829 by Nathaniel Bagshaw Ward to protect his ferns from the air pollution of the 19th century London. Mm. Wardian cases soon became features of stylish drawing rooms in Western Europe and the United States and... uh, Western Europe and the United States and helped spread the fern craze and the craze for growing orchids that followed. Mm. So, yeah, you know... It's just one fad after another yeah it's only plant fads going on yeah. at that time
1: I also feel like this has such millennial energy oh because yeah. it's like oh here little plants like the air is poisonous I'll be fine just don't don't worry about me yeah but I need to keep you safe I have to protect I have you to protect
0: you <laughs> Fern motifs first became conspicuous at the 1862 International Exhibition and remained popular as fond symbol of pleasurable pursuits until the turn of the century. <laughs> pleasurable pleasurable pursuits. pursuits. As fern fronds are somewhat flat, they were used for decoration in ways that many other plants could not be. They were glued into collector's albums, affixed to three-dimensional objects, used as stencils for spatter work, inked mm. and pressed into surfaces for nature printing and so forth.
1: Love it. Thank you,
0: Ferns. Thank you, Ferns. While realistic depictions of Ferns were especially favored in the decorative arts of this period, quote, even when the representation was stylized to such as was common on engraved glass and metal, the effect was still recognizably ferny. <laughs> I don't like the... F- term ferny ferny uh, the zeal of victorian collectors led to significant reductions in the wild populations of a number of the rarer species oblong woodsia came under severe threat in scotland especially in the moffat hills this area once had the most extensive uk populations of the species but there now remain only a few small colonies whose future remains under threat The related alpine woodsia suffered a similar fate, although the risks were not uh, all to the plants. John Sadler, later a curator of the Royal Botanic Garden Edinburgh, nearly lost his life obtaining a fern tuft on a cliff near Moffat, and a botanical guide called William Williams died collecting alpine woodsia in Wales in 1861. Oh my God. First of all, yikes second of all william williams yikes i would be so mad at my parents yeah they'd be like it's okay we'll just call you bill yeah
1: not the point no one guys. will ever
0: know that you have the same first name and last name uh his body was found at the foot of the cliff where edward Lewid had first collected the species nearly two centuries earlier in her botanical guidebook and memoir Hardy Ferns, the writer Nona Belairs called for laws to protect ferns from overcollection. Quote, we must have fern laws and preserve them like game. Oh
1: my god.
0: Fern laws. Preach. Uh is usually considered a British eccentricity. Okay. Classic. Classic. And historians, they're just so fragile.
1: They are. They are <laughs>
0: And historians are divided regarding its reach outside the United Kingdom. John D. Scott has written, quote, The craze seemed to have passed America by, most likely because, the, I mean, if they could see us now. They're getting it. Yeah.
1: We're, uh, we're at the heyday.
0: <laughs> most likely because these same species in America are essentially free of those freaky abnormal forms. Great. Sure. It may also be due to the fact that American botanists have been, for the most part, more interested in unraveling the complexities of the species involved in the fern complexes, such as Asplenium, Dioteris, and Botrychium. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I think that's where I'm going to end it. I love it. How do you spell... so similar to pterodactyl it's p-t-e-r-i-d-o mania
1: interesting yeah you will never guess the surprise theme that we have
0: word starting with p silent p oh a silent p yeah yeah we love it who would have thought wow 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 okay great lay it on me (laughs) this is the
1: wikipedia article for george salman salmanazar okay p-s-a-l-m wow salmanazar wow
0: okay what are the odds i love it i do too love our themes okay george
1: salmanazar was a frenchman who claimed to be the first native of formosa today taiwan okay to visit europe for some years he convinced many in Britain, but he was eventually revealed to be of European origins. He subsequently became a theological essayist and a friend and acquaintance of Samuel Johnson and others and other noted figures in
0: 18th-century literary London. So, just to recap, this guy said he was the first person from Taiwan to visit Europe. Yes. Europe, but he's not Taiwanese. He's not
1: Taiwanese. Okay, so, sure.
0: All right, so let's talk about his early
1: life. Although Saul Manazar intentionally obscured many details of his early life, it is believed that he was born in southern France, so not quite Taiwan. Okay. Uh, perhaps in uh, Languedoc or Provence, I don't know, to Catholic parents sometime between 1679 and 1684. His birth name is unknown. So he wouldn't even tell anybody his name. Oh. According to his posthumously published autobiography, he was educated in a Franciscan school and then a Jesuit academy. In both these institutions, he claimed to have been celebrated by his teachers for what he called, quote, my uncommon genius for languages. Sure. Indeed, by his own account, Salmanazar was something of a child prodigy. Uh Uh-huh. They always are. Yeah. He claims that he attained fluency in Latin by the age of seven or eight. Wow. And excelled in competition with children twice his age.
0: And no one's impressed. No one's impressed. That you're, I mean, you know, and I don't want to slam people who learn Latin because I know you're
1: old. <laughs> yeah. But I can also <laughs> say from personal experience that scoring well in the National Latin Exam mm-hmm. impresses nobody. Yeah. They don't care.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, That's tough.
1: Um later encounters with a s- sophistic philosophy tutor made him disenchanted with academicism. Academicism. Ooh. However, and he discontinued his education around the time he was fifteen or sixteen. Sure. All right, next is one of my favorite Wikipedia subheadings of all time. Okay. Career as an imposter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is that a career? It is. Okay. All I right. mean, I've made a career out I've of it made <laughs> because it. Yeah. the imposter syndrome that it's, I feel—it's really, yeah, yeah, its really pervasive. Yeah. In order
1: to travel safely and affordably in France, Salmanazar first pretended to be an Irish pilgrim on his way to Rome. Sure. So I like that. At the at the base of all of this that I'm about to read is he just wanted to travel cheaply
0: and easily. Okay. So and I get that. I think. My thing is like, I'd love to see what this guy looks like, because if he's pretending to be Irish and also Taiwanese, yeah. he's,
1: he, I mean, there's no photos, but you can tell that he's just, cause he's, you know, it's the 1600s. Yeah. But you can tell he's just like a nerdy ass white guy.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: After learning English, forging a passport, and stealing a pilgrim's cloak and staff from the reliquary of a local church, he set off. But he soon found that many people w- he met were familiar with Ireland and were able to see through his disguise. Yeah. Deciding that a more exotic disguise was needed, Salmanazar drew upon the missionary reports about East Asia that he had heard from his Jesuit tutors and decided to impersonate a Japanese convert.
0: Uh oh.
1: At some point, he further embellished this new persona by an array of appropriately bizarre customs, such as. Oh, oh, boy. Eating raw meat spiced with cardamom. Okay. And sleeping while sitting upright in a chair. Like the Japanese do, you know? <laughs> so that's what they're most known for, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. What on earth? I know, this fucking guy. <laughs> Having failed to reach Rome, Salmanazar traveled through various German principalities between 1700 and 1702. Mm-hmm. In the latter year, he appeared in the Netherlands, where he served as an occasional mercenary and soldier for sure. part-time work. Yeah. By this time, he had shifted his supposed homeland from Japan to the even more obscure Formosa, Taiwan,
0: uh-huh.
1: and had developed more elaborate customs, such as mm. following a foreign calendar, Worshipping the sun and the moon with complex propitiatory propitiatory rites of his own invention, and even speaking an invented language.
0: Oh, The commitment to the bit.
1: It's so good.
0: This is incredible.
1: Yeah. In 1702, Salmanazar met the Scottish priest Alexander Innes, who was the chaplain of a Scottish army unit. Afterwards, Innes claimed that he had converted the heathen to Christianity and christened him George Salmanazar after the Assyrian king Shalmaneser V, who was referenced in the Bible. In 1703, they left via Rotterdam for London, where they planned to meet Anglican clergymen. When they reached London, news of the exotic foreigner with bizarre habits spread quickly and Salmanazar achieved a high level of fame. Mm. His appeal not only derived from his exotic ways, which tapped into a growing domestic interest in travel narratives, uh, describing faraway locales, Mm -hmm. but also played upon the prevailing anti-Catholic and anti-Jesuit religious sentiment of early 18th century Britain.
0: Huh. The thing I know is that whenever you're doing some sort of... um, you know, you're playing a character or you're pretending to be someone that you're not your
1: method acting your yeah.
0: method acting when fame comes into the picture or when more attention comes into the picture. You're almost surely going to get caught.
1: Uh-huh. Um, he doesn't, weirdly enough. Weird. Um. Okay, let's see. Uh, early 18th century Britain. Central to his narrative was his claim to have been abducted from Formosa by malevolent Jesuits and taken to France.
0: Malevolent <laughs> Jesuits.
1: Where he had steadfastly refused to become a Catholic. Sure. Salmanazar declared himself to be a reformed heathen who now practiced Anglicanism. He became a favorite of the Bishop of London and other esteemed members of London society. Hmm. Building upon his growing interest in his life, in 1704, Salmanazar published a book, an historical and geographical description of Formosa, an island, an island. Uh, s- oh, no, nope, read that all wrong. He published a book. It's a very long title, an historical and geographical description of Formosa, an island subject to the Emperor of Japan. That's the title That's of the, book? the title. That's why I got lost that first time I read it. Cause there were so many commas.
0: Also, I have to assume he's never been there. No, he's never been there. Okay. Well, uh, good. It's a good idea to write a geography yeah. book on a place you've never been. Yeah. Sure. Uh,
1: so this book purported to be a detailed description of Formosan customs, geography and political economy. Great. But which was in fact a complete invention. Yeah. The quote unquote facts contained in the book are an amalgam of other travel reports, especially influenced by accounts of the Aztec and Inca civilizations in the New World and by embellished descriptions of Japan. Thomas More's utopia may also have served as an inspiration. Some of his claims about Japanese religion seem to also be derived from a uh, misinterpretation of the Chinese idea of three teachings. Oh boy! As he claims that there were three different forms of quote-unquote, idolatry practiced in Japan. Sure. According to Salmanazar, Formosa was a, pr- a prosperous country with a capital city called Externetsa. starts with an X, so I don't know how to say X-T-E-R-N. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, here men walked naked except for a gold or silver plate to cover their genitals. Sure. Their main food was a serpent that they hunted with branches. Okay. Not the best way to get a snake. No. Formosans were polygamous and husbands had a right to eat their wives for infidelity. Eat? Eat. (laughs) So. Okay. uh, They executed murderers by hanging them upside down and shooting them full of arrows. Every year (laughs) Every year, they sacrificed the hearts of 18,000 young boys to the gods, and their priests then ate the bodies. You know what's
0: so funny is, like, this is, this sounds like an absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. story to be hearing about this obviously white guy making up rules and, like, othering this, culture to make them look like savages or heathens or Uh whatever but that is literally what white people have been doing for all of history forever and when you compare it to that it's not any different it's literally not oh my god jesus christ
1: um continuing in his false narrative yeah uh, they used horses and camels for transport sure which is like a boring detail to include yeah uh, and dwelled underground in circular houses <sighs> not mole people stop
0: <laughs> oh my god this guy this fucking guy. just and for what like what did the people of formosa do to you right they were just far enough away yeah that it
1: worked out oh Uh, Salmanazar's book also described the Formosan language, an early example of a constructed language. (laughs) His efforts in this regard were so convincing... That German grammarians included samples of his so-called Formosan alphabet in books about language well into the 19th century.
0: Oh, my God. This makes me want to question everything. Yeah,
1: we absolutely should.
0: The thing is, is that when you pull at that um, loose thread on the sweater of history.
1: No, thank you. (laughs) Um even af- so they did that. Even after his larger imposture had been exposed, mm-hmm. so here is a quote-unquote translation he did of the Lord's Prayer.
0: Oh my God! And I'm not
1: gonna read the whole thing because it's literal gibberish. Yeah, but it just starts off. Starts off. Amy Porneo Don Chin Orneo v- Visi, uh, ne Jorge Silori. Uh-huh. There's just capitalization.
0: Just making it up. It's nilly. just absolute yeah. gibberish.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. It's a Wow. Lot. Um, but then I like that the word for, I'm assuming, amen is just amen. Sure. <laughs> so it's almost a romance language in some
0: Oh my god, this guy.
1: Uh Salmanazar's book was an unqualified success. Sure. People love fake news. Sure. It went through two English editions and French and German editions followed.
0: Oh my god.
1: After its publication, Salmanazar was invited to lecture on Formosan culture and language before several learned societies, and it was even a proposed that he be summoned to lecture at the University of Oxford. Shut up. I can't. In the most famous of these engagements, he spoke before the Royal Society, where he was challenged by Edmund Halley. Good. Um, Some, finally, someone finally challenging someone this was guy. Finally, someone just like, guy, you look like a regular old guy. Yeah. From around here. <laughs> um, Salmanazar was frequently challenged by skeptics, but for the most part, he managed to deflect criticism of his core claims. He explained, for instance, that his pale skin was due to the fact that the upper classes of Formosa lived underground. So he had that. Sure. Uh, Jesuits who had actually worked as missionaries in Formosa were not believed, probably because of anti-Jesuit prejudice. Yeah. So he had, I mean, (laughs) uh, he was very, you know. Yeah. uh, Specific in this, I guess.
0: Like, he knew what he was doing. That is so funny.
1: Yeah. Um. Innes, the, I don't know, the Scottish, the Scottish yeah. priest, uh, eventually went to Portugal as chaplain general to the British forces. Mm-hmm. By then, however, he had developed an opium addiction ugh, oh. and had become involved in several misguided business ventures.
0: Sure, that's in- how it happens.
1: Yeah, including uh. a failed effort to market decorated fans purported to be from Formosa. Oh, Salmanazar's claims became increasingly less credible as time went on, and knowledge of Formosa from other sources began to contradict his claims. His energetic defense of his imposture began to slacken, and in 1706 he simply confessed, and <laughs> he like, couldn't handle the he stress anymore. Handle the, yeah, he, the truth had to set him free. Yeah, uh, <laughs> first to friends and then to the general public. He yeah, had to come out. I love it. Um, the worst coming out the story worst coming of, all time. of all time. But then, so by then, London society had largely grown tired of the quote unquote foremost and craze. So no mm-hmm. one cared. Everyone yeah. was just like, whatever, dude. Yeah. You're old news. <laughs> in the following years, Salmanazar worked for a time as a clerk in an army regiment until some clergyman gave him money to study theology. They were like, sure. You're just crazy enough. Just crazy enough. To make it big in the church. Yeah. My guy. Salmanazar then participated in the literary milieu of Grub Street, writing pamphlets, editing books, and undertaking other low paid and unglamorous tasks. He learned Hebrew, co authored Samuel Palmer's A General History of Printing, and contributed a number of articles to the uh, Universal History. Hmm. He even contributed to a complete system of geography and wrote about the real conditions in Formosa, pointedly criticizing the hoax he the hoax he himself had perpetrated. Oh, my God. I just can't. This guy. He appears to have become increasingly religious and disowned his youthful impostures. This newfound religious religiosity culminated in his anom- anonymous publication of a book of theological essays in 1753. Sure. Um, Although this last phase of Salmanazar's life brought him far less fame than his earlier career as a fraud, Mm. it resulted in some remarkable historical coincidences. Perhaps the most famous of these is the elderly Salmanazar's unlikely friendship with the young Samuel Johnson, who was also a Grub Street hack. And Samuel Johnson is like a British writer and playwright who's Mm -hmm. pretty famous. Yeah. Um, in later years, Johnson recalled that Salmanazar had been well-known in his neighborhood as an eccentric but saintly figure, Quote, whereof he was so well-known and esteemed that scarce any person, even children, passed him without showing him signs of respect. Hmm. Salmanazar also inter- interacted with a number of other important English literary figures of his age. In the early months of 1741, he appears to have sent the novelist Samuel Richardson. Was everyone named Samuel? Everyone's
0: name Samuel.
1: There are other names. Yeah. Uh, An unsolicited bundle of 40 handwritten pages. Oh, boy. An unsolicited bundle Bundle. of handwritten pages. Oh. Uh, uh, In which he attempted to continue the plot line of Richardson's immensely popular epistolary novel, Pamela. Sure. So he was just trying to, like, send him some fan fiction. (laughs)
0: This guy, like, this what guy. gives him
1: the right? <laughs> like, I love it. who do you I think you are? <laughs> Richardson called Salmanazar's attempted sequel, quote, ridiculous and improbable. Sure. In a modest proposal, Jonathan Swift ridicules Salmanazar in passing, oh. sardonically citing, quote, the famous Salmanazar, oh, Salamanazor, a native of the island of Formosa who came from thence to London above 20 years ago as an eminent proponent of cannibalism mm-hmm. because oh, I love a modest proposal. I remember the first time I read that in school. Do you remember that one? I never read it. it it's just like, like a couple of pages. It's not very long, mm-hmm. but it, Jonathan Swift is basically, it's this whole satirical piece where he's just like, well, there's a hunger problem and mm. people are giving birth at too high of rates. So if we just eat the babies, then problem solved. Oh. And it was, it's, that was the first time I ever like, Experience like history being funny yeah and like someone trolling oh. the people at a large scale and it absolutely got me everyone else in my class was like obviously horrified because sure. they were like, eating babies and i was like ha- yeah don't take you it literally it's ever heard of sarcasm oh
0: my god no they haven't
1: um it was so funny. Okay. A novel by Tobias Smollett refers mockingly to, quote, Salmanazar, who, after having drudged half a century in the literary mill in all the simplicity and abstinence of an Asiatic, subsists on the charity of a few booksellers, just sufficient to keep him from the parish. Mm. Um in old age, Salmanazar lived on an annual pension of 30 pounds paid by an admirer. Sure. In his last years, he wrote his memoirs of... And then it's just a bunch of asterisks. Star, mm-hmm. star, 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 star. And then it's still in... Wait. I don't understand this. His He wrote his... And then his start title. Mm-hmm. Memoirs of... Redacted, I guess, comma, commonly known by the name of George Salmanazar, semicolon, a reputed native of Formosa. This guy needs to work on his titles. Who is his editor?
0: Who is letting him write things? I don't know. It doesn't sound like that's really his strong suit, but so goofy. The book, which was originally
1: or which was published uh, posthumously, withholds his real birth name, which is still unknown, but contains a wealth of detail about his early life and the development of his impostures. Wow. And that is some random guy who was just called George Salmanazar.
0: I would love to know. And now it's probably going to bother me until the day that I die. But I want to know this guy's real name.
1: Yeah. And here he is
0: wow I mean looks like a regular white guy to me yeah yeah
1: yeah so that's uh, that's my silent pee
0: <laughs> campers I hope you enjoyed all the silent peas that we brought yeah. to you today P- 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 yeah <laughs> everyone hates me for that <laughs> Um, uh, campers thank you so much for being here with us we love you we'll see you next time
1: we'll see you then goodbye goodbye